Off the ball. This beautiful country with so many incredible sports stars are going to open up the World Cup and just set an example for so many. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Brian O'Driscoll on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to the show. Get your hand out of the shot. You're ruining my shot there, O'Driscoll. Sorry. Seriously. Sorry. It's looking um, straight on and you're going for the coffee. Yeah, but like, I was trying to go for branded cups. It's great. We, we'll just we'll move past it. I didn't want to go with an alternative sponsor over here, so I thought I was doing a solid. Here was me, here was me, but you got your hand in my shot. Oh, sorry, you're, sorry. You're ruining my... Sorry, sorry. Welcome sorry. to... Yeah, yeah, it is off the ball and it's Brian O'Driscoll who joins us in studio. The intrepid traveller returns. I'll, do you know what? I'll excuse you because of the sheer <laughs> amount of air miles that you've racked up over the last <laughs> week. Like it's carbon footprinters won't be thrilled I, to hear that. I listen, I, I I just find it intriguing because you like this is a, probably a conversation we probably could could have had off here, but you're close up to kind of the seven stuff, and we've had those big conversations about particularly the women's side and the sevens thing. But you've kind of seen, I guess, the benefit and the good things and the positives that are involved in uh, these World Series sevens competitions from being so close up to them. Yeah, it, I, and I, it's you know for a few years, for the early years, I was talking about. You know why don't Irish? Why don't Ireland have a team? And I was yeah. sick in the face. And then when uh, blue in the face, and then um, New Sephora in fairness to him, it's one of the things that I think has been a huge success. Well, one of many things that has been a huge success in his tenure has been the reintroduction of the men's and women's sevens team, and how competitive they have been pretty quickly. It's yeah. um, it's a huge credit to the systems and setups in place, the coaching staff, but also identifying a path for would-be 15 players to come through. Now, that said, obviously there's a greater focus on the sevens in the women's game than there is 15s. Obviously we're watching the women's Six Nations at the moment and, you know, a, a huge number of the best athletes are playing sevens. We're in Hong Kong last weekend, so... It's diff- it feels different for, for the women's than the men's. And I don't understand exactly why the, bother, the focus yeah. is on sevens in women's rather than 15s in men's. Um, I've never kind of gotten into it. But um, but both teams incredibly competitive. Um, you know, the, okay, the, the women had a bit of a tough pool in Hong Kong and came up against Australia and everyone pretty much loses Australia except New Zealand yeah. and then they lost to Fiji which was a bit disappointing but and the men had a really tough group as well the, the Blitzbach and, and New Zealand who went on to win it too so it wasn't their tournament this time round but uh, <clears throat> for the most part you look at you know the three or four players coming through from the men's Hugo's the obvious one but Balakun, Nick Timoney um, one or two others that have, have kind of really elevated their game and um, you know got an opportunity to develop and hone certain parts of their skill set um, to allow them to then integrate themselves into their provincial setup and then subsequently onto the Irish national team. So I think it's been and uh, Will Will Connors as well is another yeah. one. So there's there's plenty of them. There's not. It's not like we're just talking, we're just putting everything on Hugo. We have had other quality come through too and um, and I'm sure we will have more as well. There are some guys that are going to be sevens players. Um, you know, Harry McNulty, I don't know if he's ever going to make that transition, whether he wants to or not, but there's guys that are, that, or Terry Kennedy for that matter, but they're, they're, they're sevens 
specific and they do it extremely well and you know someone like Terry who's the world uh, player of the year men's last year at the World Rugby Awards a, f- a phenomenal achievement considering you know Ireland didn't manage to win a series event but yet they're consistently good and you know, getting to semi-finals and now a couple of finals in in the last year albeit we, we still haven't quite um, gotten to that you know the the, the title um, winners but it's yeah it's, it's very very positive and I think it's been a, a real um, boon for the game in general having the sevens back up and running and it, like, it, it's just one of these things as well where even even when Ireland weren't competing you go back years and my first introduction to sevens was it was it always seemed like the kind of sideshow to 15s and that has been taken away a little bit less and it's been allowed to develop as its own its own animal really yeah like sevens is going to always be a feeder to 15s or, or and they can live harmoniously um, with crossover or um, or on their own sevens and fifteens, I, and I think you know we look back to the Rio Olympics in sixteen, where we saw a number of fifteens players wanting to come across and become Olympians and try and yeah. win an Olympic medal, and with hardly any success. There was a couple of GB players that came across and won and won medals. I think um, Jonathan Davis's brother. Um, whose name escapes me from the Scarlets, who's now retired, um, who's um, one of the Scottish centres as well, Mark, again, geez, my, my knowledge is really good today. I'm blaming um, Miles. Um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, jet lag. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, there's, there are, have been a couple of players, but we had Sonny Bill, we had Quake Cooper, we had Brian Havana, and, and it didn't materialise for any of them. Actually, um, I think Sonny Bill made it there and played like two minutes and tore his Achilles. So he was probably ready to go. Mm. He was the one that had all the skill set you would have imagined for seven. Peak, the fitness, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the size, pace, but also yeah. the pace. You know, he was he was ready made for seven. It was just a great shame that he his tournament ended as quickly as it did. But um, yeah, so it just shows that they can they can interlink and they can, you can you can. You swift swap between one and the other, or they, you can remain um, a 15s or 7s players in isolation, and as as we've seen with some of the names we've mentioned already. Yeah, uh, we'll move on to the Champions Cup because obviously Leinster have ended up being the story because uh, everyone else has fallen away. And you know, Munster obviously had their problems in South Africa last week, um, uh, Connacht in the in the Challenge Cup as well, and then going back to the Aviva last week, which is a massive occasion and. I don't necessarily feel from an Ulster perspective that this is an opportunity lost uh, as much as some of the other games in the past three, four years may have been. But this is another case where Leinster clearly showed their strength. And when you think it was 16-8 at half time and there's still that thought in the back of your mind of maybe, just maybe there might actually be something on here. And you see the players that Leinster were able to bring off the bench, mm. the Frawleys of this world, Luke McGrath, etc., it it shows the disparity between the two. It's going to be there for a while, I guess. That's the reality of it, I think. And and, and, and we could talk about lots of different things, but the reality, I think, as well, eight points felt like a kind of big differential um, in the conditions, mm. you know. And and at, at no point did you did Leinster look as though they were under major pressure. It was a really nice uh, worked try for Hume, you know, kick and test. Stockdale caught his own kick, and then they found some players out of position Ty Furlong probably should have 
had a little bit even knowing his football brain probably should have had a bit more awareness around him to know he was the last man he had no full back and, and to play off as we've seen him job of a centre or a winger on many occasions so he was kind of caught out but you know, other than that, it didn't feel as though Leinster were really stretched at any point other than that line-out mall at the very end. So, you know, they're, they've such a reliance on their defence on um, and then their ability to create three or four opportunities. When the weather is as miserable as it was, it, it's a bit of a, a leveller, uh, an opportunity for then grunt and, and brutality to become a thing. But I think Leinster have that in spades as well and certainly ha- have against opposition like Ulster I think against bigger sides you know the South African teams the you know the the La Rochelle's and the Toulouse's might be slightly different but I think against you look man for man against that Ulster side like it, it I don't think I see anything changing dramatically over the course of the next few years. What'll be interesting to see is what happens post Stuart Lancaster but it does feel as though there's a certain comfort now within this Leinster team to continue playing this brand that they've developed over five, six years now, to be honest with you. Um, and, and it feels on their transition that they're much further ahead than, than a lot of teams. How much praise because the, it, it's difficult to kind of go to the, the senior coach or the, from the head coach to the senior coach and go, well, he's the guy. And I know a lot of people are obviously clearly worried about Lancaster leaving for Racing in the summer. There's a lot of praise has to be heaped on the job that he has done specifically there because that was an incredible hire on behalf of both Irish rugby and Leinster for him to develop the Leinster side the way he does and then prep them players mm. for the international scene. Yeah, it was. I, I totally agree. And I think Poussey took a bit of a chance on him. Like he, he was, even as English coach, other than the World Cup, you know, they were vying for Grand Slams the whole time. They, they, won Six Nations under them. They um, they were a very, very consistent team. And then it just all went pitong for them in the World Cup, and as it did do for us in 2007. Course, yeah. So it, it happens. And they had a really tough pool as well. So and I think they kind of had the thing of previously winning a World Cup within recent memory. Mm. So that's the standard yeah, for them. Yeah. So anything less and than that is... And they're at home as well. There's extra pressure. And and you look at the cycle of the players they had comparatively mm. to other years. It wasn't their... It wasn't the crop that they no. would... You would hang your hat on of going, that's, that, that's our standard. Players, yeah. yeah. So I do think that there was a number of factors. Also, I think from Stuart's point of view, he, you know, the role was different than he anticipated. I think mm. he... You know, it was less coaching and more administration and um, and kind of an all-consuming role, a director of rugby role yeah. rather than a head coach role. And I think that's why he's really enjoyed going back in as assistant coach with with uh, with Leinster, uh, being on the on the pitch every day and getting an opportunity to properly pass over his knowledge and know-how and, and work those systems that he's developed in um, in his however 25 or 30 years as a, as a coach so he's um, he's going to be missed and, and I, I'm interested to see how Andrew Goodman I think it is that he's kind of going into his role is that I was right? just going to ask because there been because the, the whispers around it have actually been fairly quiet and even stuff coming out from the mess it's like well I don't, don't, don't know just yet and there hasn't been much but mm. Goodman seems to be I think they really like Goodman and, and listen I played with Goody and, and he was a, a good player but I, I, sometimes it's those guys that are able to get the message across that see it very well and mm. he was a nice footballer without being exceptional to be honest um, you know very very solid 
never let you down. But yes, sometimes there's something in those that are a- guys that are able to see the game a bit better than maybe their ability allows them to play it. Um, and then there's vice versa. And I always thought, you know, people ask me, you know, oh, any any plan of getting into? Would you, would you not like to be a coach? I don't think I'd be a great coach, to be honest. With you. I think I'd probably. My fear is that I'd be would would have been a better player than a coach. And there's a bit of that going on in my punditry, to be honest. <laughs> I think I'm a better player than than a pundit, but um, but I I just don't think I I don't know if I necessarily possess the ability to get my point across the way you might see it. Whereas other players have an innate ability to be able to get that message with clarity and simplicity across to the masses. Did you ever consider it? No, no. Um, because I wanted to get away from the weekend thing, you know, yeah. being owned by win, lost, draw mentality mm. and, and also get some of my weekends back. I, I'd say I'm still losing an awful lot of my weekends, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, and my, my wife would reinforce that. But I do... Um, it wouldn't allow me to have done all the other things that yeah. I'm doing, and I think that's that's what you can't do. Maybe as an international coach, you have an ability to maybe do some other things because you know it's it's a limited time in camp. Yes, you're working away in the background, but it would allow you some. There are more chance. peaks and troughs in terms of your time. There are it, like international coaching is is where all coaches want to be, yeah. not just because the quality is better, but because it's not. 52 weeks a year. Like people who want to be teachers because they get their summer and stuff like that. <laughs> Basically, international rugby <laughs> coaching is being a school, school yeah. teacher. You get three months. Yeah, and not, and not primary. No, no, no. Not, oh, none of that oh. two, non- no. two months nonsense. You want three. three. Three in a private school. <laughs> Eight up for June, July, August. Yeah, absolutely. Um, career, we'll get back to last Saturday before we get way off tangent. Um, the standout name, standout performer from the game and I think it was a uh, a coming of age kind of game for, mm. for Ryan Baird yeah. um, this is the because people kind of forget he's like on what 8, 9, 10 caps for Ireland now he's been bubbling away in terms of his Leinster performances certainly in terms of his Ireland performances he was a good nice backup player to have when, when called upon during the Six Nations I think last Saturday was the date when everybody sat up and went oh hello yeah also the, the, the what really would give you huge comfort is it, you didn't feel it was his sort of Conditions. Yeah, it's sort of like he, he's fast track, elusive, open. Mm. You know, he he would have been an amazing sevens player. You know, like unbelievable wheels, big engine, um, like a baller. And and so when you it's when it's about rolling your sleeves up and getting down and dirty, you kind of like oh maybe that's not really him, but. He just added a spring, string to his bow in in all of our perception as to what sort of player. He has become obviously hugely athletic, but ready, you know, to work hard for the team. I thought his his try was very well taken. Worked hard around the corner. The square carry, Lens are so good at that square carry. I think it's what they'll miss with Josh van der Flee. I think that he's the best at uh, at it around running at a million miles an hour, straight and square. Um, because it's easier to you know that the big collision can come that way. It's the harder thing to do running that square because obviously you have to work around the corner f- further and then step off your outside foot and come back to where the ball has come from. Um, but the ability to actually, for, you know, to, to pick a line between two defenders is much greater than when you come around the corner like that. But you can get picked off too in a big shot. So you have to run with that level of aggression that Josh does to be able to ride out those tackles. And I think 
they will miss that against Leicester because he's he's so effective at it. But Ryan's line around the corner, albeit it wasn't quite as square as Josh runs, it was with huge intent, picked a line between you know two um, defenders and 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 then had the ability and the and the momentum to to carry him over. So, like to be honest with you, Leinster were they were they were pretty coasty, you know, coasty for the whole game. They mm. really were. Like in many games throughout the season, and, and that's been the problem over the last number of seasons is that it's been a bit too easy over the for the first six seven months, and then you come up against a team like a Toulouse or a La Rochelle or a Saracens or someone else um, where you kind of go, oh gosh, we're, we're not used to it. And, and, and that's why you do want it over the course season. You want tough physical encounters. Whereas, to be honest with you, it's, you know, they've what, won 20 or 21 from 22, one draw. Like, you need tough tests. You don't want to get that shock to the system. Albeit, you know it's coming at semi-final, final stage. And it'll come, it'll be a big step up against Leicester this weekend but you you would increasingly have nervousness that they're not getting the consistency of opposition that would warrant you know the the necessary or or give you the preparation to and an experience around being able to deal with with and navigate a way through a different game. Well, so, how, how do you how do you build your own examinations in that respect? Then? Well, like because, you set your own standards yeah. of training, right? In, and but you can't it can't be all you, you can't you can't set up a training environment the way you see you know matches played these days. We know about contact load of training and everything. So you, you're trying to make the intensity as tough but the physicality is something that you have to save for the big occasion and um, and because we look back it's, was it 2018 was Leinster's last European Cup like actually the quality of them over the course of that period of time it's probably disappointing pickings that they only have one in um, Lancaster and, and Leo Cullen's tenure like yeah. they felt like a team that were a two or three European Cup like the, the, the quality that we had back in the 2011 10, 9, 10, 11, 12 that was I would say the quality of this team has been better than that but yeah. yes they haven't the trophies the, the European, European trophies, trophies yeah. to show for it um, On Baird I've heard him described this week as potentially uh, a world class uh, blindside is blindside going forward going to be his position and is like why is his ceiling because he's being talked of in very grand terms over the past six days so interesting to get your take on it um, I, I, I don't know is it is it six um, I think we need to see more of him at six I suppose it depends on what game you're looking for and what the balance of the rest of your back row is like as well obviously it it looks pretty good irrespective of who goes in with Conan and and van der Fleer um, it's going to be interesting it's going to be Doris at seven and, and Conan at eight this week so the di- dynamic's slightly different does that change role remit probably not a huge amount um, he, he's he's just a great athlete so I think the more game time the more he reassures us that he can play in either position, you don't want to get caught between the two because then you become a bench player, right? So, and we've seen, you know, there's yeah. been enough of them around the place for the last few years. I mean, you could probably name names, and it'd be unfair to do it. But there but are I think I think the thing is with with second rows, you want 
you want that real grafter. And I'm not saying you know, James Ryan is a real grafter, but but he's not a huge second row. So, you, you know, to get a real nice bit, bit of size and Jenkins is that guy. Maloney's probably not that guy, but yet playing very well, played well last weekend and has never let Leinster down. Retains his place as well. Um, retains his place. So I think if you look at... You look at Leinster's success. Uh, the big six or the big second row has always been the constant. Fardy, mm-hmm. you know, Rocky, um, Brad Thorne, Nathan Hines, all lumpy sorts. And and so I think, you know, you have to have that second row. If you're going to play with Baird at six, you want to have that big, brutal second row yeah. with James Ryan, who's kind of an in-between. He's athletic, but not necessarily... Huge. He doesn't. He's not throwing big size around. If you put him to one of the South African second rows, he, you know, would look to, to um, dwarf, 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 dwarfed even. I should say, um, like an, an Orgy Snyman or a Netzebeth, Like James Ryan looks small. He's not a small man. No, but he's not. <laughs> but but that's where the game is now, and so you have to look at the balance between the two. And as Baird and and James Ryan, the combination going forward for Leinster in Ireland or. You know, then you have, you know, Henderson coming in, Ty Burns, again, a different sort of second row again. I I think you can't necessarily just have an idea of what you want. You have to work with what you've got Mm -hmm. and make that fit. So I think you can play either second row or six. And I suppose with with Peter O'Mahony probably coming, well, being in the winter of his career, I think maybe he's earmarking an an eye on on the Ireland six jersey as well as the Leinster six. Um, As regards um, Leicester, um, like I was going through their stats from the game last week against Edinburgh. Uh, possession they were second best meters gained second best carries second best clean break second best offload second best um, you go through all of the stats they were second best uh, apart from tackles and um, and that's essentially what is going to get them a foothold in this game because I know you watched back um, last season's encounter between the two between Leicester and Leinster yeah. um, you would have seen last week as well against Edinburgh they're like they're not in a quarter final and they're not a third place team in the Premiership just by sheer fluke. They're a team that can make things pretty difficult for his side pretty easily. Like they were champions last year. Exactly. Um and I think they would have been very, very disappointed the manner in which they went, what was it, seventeen points behind within twenty minutes in Welford Road and and against a quality team like Leinster they're not going to give up a lead like that albeit you might come back and have a purple, purple patch and the scoreline looked a bit closer than maybe they felt at any point the game really was yeah. it was um, so I think I think they'll they will definitely use a bit of that I think they'll feel as though they they got a few aspects wrong uh, last year I looked again they had more possession more territory but they, they just didn't take opportunities and they and they did create a couple I think that's what you have to do against a, a Leinster team you, you know you might only create three or four but you can't take two of the three or four you've got to take three or four of them um, because you know that they're going to create and score some themselves so um yeah, I also think the kicking duel last year they lost. You know the 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 kick contests, and you look at the back row that they've picked in um, Stewart and and Mike Brown at, at fullback, and and then um, w- um, Watson on the other wing. You know, three of them are very capable fullbacks in their own right. So you have to think that knowing the Leinster or the Leicester way, the mentality with. Um, 
with how they look at their stats and they build their game plan around stats. Maybe less so with Richard Wigglesworth as, as with uh, Borthwick, but they definitely know what works for them over the course of a game. And it's, there's there's also stats around, you know, minimum or, or maximum amount of rooks that they want to have. They, yeah. they are, they've been a very stat-based team for the last two or three years. Um, so um, I would anticipate the, the leather will be kicked off the ball. And when you look at Stewart, whether he's receiving or chasing kicks, very good. Watson, probably not as good. Mike Brown, very, very good again. So I'd anticipate the kick contest being a huge component of them getting out of their own area, but also putting pressure on unless you're getting them disorganised, as we saw with the Stockdale. It was a perfect example where it's broken field, you know, Leinster are lined up, they kick the ball away, Stockdale kicks it back up, regathers, and then all of a sudden Furlong finds himself as last man. You have to work those situations and then pull the trigger. It was a great kick from Billy Burns, in fairness to him, beautiful trajectory on it to James Hume and 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 you know, it was a it was a it was a great score. So I think Leicester are gonna have to find a way into that kick game and and get the ascendancy in that area. There'll be a really, really important component. Those are the kind of avenues that they're going to have to explore to, to weasel anything out of the game, really. Well, th- there's that, and and then the obvious one in all in all of rugby is the contact zone and the knock-on effect of the contact zone to the speed of the rook ball. So as soon as Jameson Gibson Park, the the best thing for for Leicester to happen is Jameson Gibson Park gets subbed off after fifty-five minutes. <laughs> because it means he hasn't been able to get into his groove. He hasn't been able to play that high tempo game. Um, he hasn't, you know, it's it's slowed down. He's, his options have been forced and and they just need a bit of a change up because it quite, hasn't quite happened for him. I think that's a real earmarker on before the hour mark. If you can create that scenario, I think you're definitely in the game. Um, but, but the collision zone is all important. And, we were on a BT call earlier on and some of the lads were talking about, you know, about leaving the, the rook alone maybe for a period of time. I, I, you can't afford to do that against Leinster. I don't think you can have, you know, 14 bodies in line and one in the backfield and not com- not um, commit to, to some rooks to trying to slow it down. If you allow them to play one and two second rooks, they, they mightn't get you on the third, fourth or fifth phase, but they'll get you on the eighth yeah. be it, because their shape is so good and their understanding of what they're trying to do is so good and their clarity is, is, is so evident that, again, they're much further down the road than lots of other teams around, around their multi-phase and the patience and the ability to be able to create and lines of running and everyone being that viable option. So, um, yeah, I think they've got to, you've got to, Contest and you've got to slow the ball down and you've got to f- kind of frustrate Leinster and force them to kick the ball away a bit. Yeah, Jasper Riza even was saying that in his um, press comments this week. He was one of the players from Leicester that was in front of the media and was saying that you definitely have to try and slow them down. And they played very quickly with good rook speed. They've world-class pack and their first challenge is to try and stop them there. And no surprise, I mean, he'll be having the bit between his teeth as well, having, I, I guess, we tried to did Wigglesworth tried to have a, a point to prove for Rasputin coming off the bench last week and then doing what he did and then he'll obviously start and go up against Ken Dorison on Saturday. It'd be it's a mighty or tomorrow sorry be mighty contest and that respect. They really will. I think if you look at because I was doing looking at doing a piece of Doris against Visa for the for for BT tomorrow and and okay Doris is at seven and so it's a slightly different role but if you look at the difference between their games like. Visa is all about bludgeon. He's 
you know, he's route one. He's not trying to run to soft shoulders. He's trying to run over you. He's trying to make an impact. Even last year, a couple of times, he was just picking out Johnny Sexton to charge at him. Like, he wants to be that guy to prove a point to, to a bit like Sean O'Brien used to play. Whereas, if you need a hole, I'll create the hole for you. Um, and, and then he has an offload game to come off that. Whereas, Doris is a very different type player. Footwork at the line, real, really good ball player, but yet his ability to be able to give you advantage line is as positive, but yet it, it comes in a completely different form and um, and kind of thinks his way around it, but also his ability to be able to suck in defenders. And, and I think he's our best ball player off that first pod where they has, have the option inside-outside and the, the back out, out the back. His ability to be able to take it looking the same way on each of the options is different to everybody else. I think Furlong good, Porter good, but I think Doris is the best. Actually, Maloney's very good at it too, but Doris is so good. So whether he'll be able to get on the ball as much in that role, we'll have to wait and see with a seven on his jersey. Has that move to, to open side for Doris been done perhaps with an eye on, on that contest? Um, or is it just a case of we need a decent footballer to fill the space that's been left open by that injury to Devon Flyer. Get your best players on the park. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Okay. So Conan, you know, played has played very well when he's, he's come in. He's the minute. And yeah. Yeah. Conan's played very well. I, I do think Doris is much better at eight. Yeah. I really do. He's he he his best games are when he plays at eight. Um, he's still effective at six. Um, and I, I don't even think I've seen him play seven yet. But but Conan also that that ability to be able to get you hard yards. I think, you you know, you've got to pick a, a, a punchy side against a team like Leicester when you know they're going to be conf- conf- confrontational, they're going to be aggressive. So, um, and but I think you look at that back row, you don't want to drop any of them. Baird played well, Conan played well, Doris comes back in, Van der Fleer out. So I think if he can play seven, yeah, f- fit him in there and then you've got the best players. You look at go, going back twenty odd years, where um, Shane Horgan, even longer, Shane Horgan played his first international match on the wing, having never played there before. That was just a case of getting the best footballers on the park, irrespective of what the position is. So it's amazing how quickly those uh, qualms go away. Because I can't remember even that being raised. Isn't it? it was like, oh, he's not a natural winger. It's like, of course he's a natural winger. He's played there and played well there. Yeah, and and, and then he became winger. He was he was only a twelve at that point, and then and then he was a winger thereafter, and, and with the, the ability to be able to play twelve when or thirteen when needed. But and so because we do pigeonhole players an awful lot in Ireland around just being able to play one position. Whereas you look at France, you know, in the in the noughties, Damien Try used to play 10, 12, 13 wing full back. Mm. He played right across the back line. Oh, yeah. um, whereas it was never our way um, I was only ever a 13 you know I never played slotted into 12 a bit you know played 12 with 13 on my back I played 10 once or twice not very successfully but um, but like the, most players really in, in Ireland only play one position I think we really should push them around a lot more guys like Jimmy O'Brien being able to play 12 13 wing full back I think that's all important to, the same. yeah Frawley similarly um Sometimes it can, going back to what we said earlier on, yeah. sometimes it, it, it can stop you from being a nailed-on starter that in a position. Of all trades, that is, of there's a, there is that risk, but I suppose you have to back your quality to be that essential pick, irrespective of what position that is. That's like, 
Jordan Larmer is a kind of a, a case in point I think that props up there because you're kind of thinking is he a better fullback than he is a winger he can play in centre as well but would you necessarily pick him as the best player at any of those three positions I, I still think that Jordan Larmer is a winger though Yeah, I do I think because he's been given opportunity at fullback, it's very exciting when the ball is kicked down to him. But what about when the ball is kicked up in the air? And the height thing is actually is an issue, you know. And I don't, I, the height thing's only an issue because I don't think he's someone that has ever nailed his timing of being able to get to this kind of yeah. apex point of of on that on that catch of where the ball where he can get to maximum height whilst perfectly timing the ball at that spot. Yeah. And I think other. Other 15s have, have done that brilliantly. Hugo's very good at it. Freddie Stewart's very good at it. Rob Carney was obviously very good at it. Whereas I don't think that's ever been a sweet spot of Larmer. And he's been given enough opportunities. And I think Tilly at International, you know that a smaller fullback is going to get the ball kicked down yeah. his throat. And so if you miss one or two, then all of a sudden, whether it puts a screw in the individual's head or the coach's head or the opposition, it gives them huge confidence that, well, we've always got, we can always go to that if in doubt. I think then all of a sudden, it's like, no, I don't know if he's a full back. Kick the ball long to him. We saw that wonder try against Munster you know, all those years ago. He's very capable of doing that in broken field, but it's actually the other stuff that teams will be smart enough to play against you kicking the ball aerially and contesting there particularly you know they're, they're good aerial combats um, in, in Watson and, and Stewart and, and, and Brown so um, you could be sure that the ball will be raining down on, on our wingers this weekend the, the rebirth of Mike Brown this season has actually been something to watch because he's almost he's playing very well but you listen to him in interviews as well and there's very much that old sense about him whereby he's there's still a bit of trouble about him and he's still willing to mix it a little bit and he's able to back it up with those performances. Funny, I, I never really knew Mike Brown except um, I did a show with him um, two or three months ago and he was he was in limbo and he was still looking yeah. for a club and nothing was materialising and he's, he's not like the Mike Brown on the field where everyone outside of England or whatever club he's playing for Hates really him. dislikes him. Yeah. I was going to say he really dislike, but I'll let you use Strongly that. Strongly dislike but, yeah. but, and like, I would have had a bit of aggro with him over the years. I kind of go, I hate that Mike, Mike Brown. I do, you know? And then you meet him and he's softly spoken and yeah. nothing like that guy. <laughs> it's like this flick switches. I love that in players. Switch, in different switch sports. flicks, I should yeah. say. Where it's like, they're a completely different person off the pitch. You get them on there and they're, somebody that you would never want to meet in a dark alley Paddy Johns was the ultimate one of them yeah right I'll tell you a really quick one so oh, we, yeah. we, we had the World Cup together in 99 and um, anyway we went we're playing the first game one of the first games back provincially after that and we're in the bottom of a rook and he didn't say anything but he just started throwing digs at me at the bottom of a rook <laughs> this is when you could get away with throwing yeah. digs and I looked up and I was like Pudsey and he just kind of smiled at me right anyway <laughs> There was, I saw his head bobbing up in a ruck then a few minutes later and I came running in from the centre also when you could literally get away yeah, with yeah, anything and I, I, I nearly decapitated him okay I smashed him as hard as I could and I, I was lying on top of him I was like oh my god he could be dead here and he just looked up at me he goes great shot Drago <laughs> I was like, oh my God I've given him everything I have and it was just total appreciation yeah, yeah. for Oh yeah, no. This is this is what we do, and then off it, softest spoken man, like the 
total antithesis mm. of that animal on it. It was like, yeah, yeah, you know, kind and Daniel, Dan, talk to Daniel O'Donnell. It's like, <laughs> and then, yeah, and off you go. It, it, it's wild to think that there's people that can be it's so different. Yeah, and he, but he's one of them. But he's been brilliant this season. And it's almost weird to think that he was in that limbo position because he still has that and, game of it. And, and during the, uh, the, I remember looking at a tweet from him um, in the F- Ireland-French game where it was, I think it was along the lines of Hugo Keenan appreciation post mm. about his game and now he's playing against him this weekend as he deleted it. <laughs> but it's, break, it's yeah. really, like he, he can't a few months ago have imagined playing in Europe, big European knockout matches at 37 years of age but playing brilliantly and now he's got another, he's gotten another year out of Leicester he's yeah. been that good and so good in the environment too. So, um, I think it's it's brilliant to see these older players still able to mix it with everyone. Um, you know, these careers, maybe we're talking about oh, careers only being 10 or 12 years. Now, players are are dispelling that myth and, and being able to play for the best part of 20 years, which is kind of amazing. It's nuts. It's a, it's a hell of a toll as well. Um, we've got loads more to discuss about this game as well. And I want to talk to you about the provinces in general as well. So stick with us here. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Welcome back Richie McCormick here alongside Brian O'Driscoll and we're looking ahead to Leinster and Leicester a game you can hear live here on Off The Ball tomorrow evening in the Heineken Champions Cup Cúin O'Flaherty and Fiona Hayes are going to be at the Aviva Stadium for us along with 27,000 others uh, and that commentary is live and exclusive here tomorrow on Off The Ball it feels as if for the past few months uh, that uh, <laughs> Ross Byrne has been playing with like a semicircle of people with clipboards around him mm-hmm. and judging him and taking things off. Do you know when you see like one of the learner bus drivers and they've got somebody who's sat up beside <laughs> them watching them and making sure they don't do anything wrong. That almost feels like the territory that, that Ross Byrne is in now because he has been given through uh, obviously through the way things pan out for Leinster and the way things have panned out injury-wise for, for Sexton is that he is now the man to guide them through what looks like, based on Johnny's bookings to speak in Jersey around the end of the season, looks like he's going to be the guy from now until May. Mm. This, again, is, is a massive examination for him. It's like referees with the... You know, the assessors. Yeah, referee yeah. assessor in the stand. <laughs> I'm thinking about decisions. Oh, was that, was that right for me to get the correct but if, tip? But it feels like when you when you, when we talked before the break about there's there's no such issue about Kaelin Doris performing in a like a different role in the back row, and yet Ross Byrne game after game after game after game, same position, same position, same position, and yet there are still. But I think there's a few factors to that. Okay. I think it's because of the comparison to Johnny Sexton, a once in a generation type player. Mm. Um, certainly one of the best this country has ever produced. And so when you're when he's still there, there of course there's going to be natural comparisons, and it's 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 very unfortunate from Ross because if you take isolate you know, what he's done for Leinster and the success that he's had. He's been a very successful player for them and, and indeed for Ireland. You know, I don't know what what success rate he's he has, but I'd, I'd, I'd only remember him winning it, winning it or losing a couple of matches. Mm-hmm. But uh, the problem is sometimes it's those matches that stay with you um, where it's the it's the losses and the and the magnitude and the and their big ones. And and in Ross's case before his recent comeback um, starting in the in that Australian game in November you know other games would have been um, 
that really bad loss to England over in Twickenham before the World Cup in mm. 2019. Th- those kind of stay with you when it's been a bit catastrophic and it's hard to find your way out of them. But he has. And he's. I think what we have to remember too from Ross's point of view is that Johnny hasn't played a second of the Champions Cup yet Man. this year, yeah. right? So he's not going to by the sounds of things. Um, so... Um, so Ross is going to be the guy to obviously guide Leinster to success or or and to have the best route possible and 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 it starts this weekend with another knockout match. I think the thing and the, the reality is until Johnny's actually gone and probably after Johnny's gone as well we'll still compare because that's that's what you do I was just going to say is the best position to be in now to be like somebody like Sam Prendergast whereby you're then like the third or fourth in, in, in line and maybe you don't have that direct like for like comparison in that you're, you're not the next off the rank you will have a couple more years to mature you will have a couple more years to find your way in and he's not still there well that's the really important factor is that he's not looking over from even from the sidelines whether he's involved again or not for the rest of the season Johnny he's still there he's still the Leinster captain he's still going to be in the environment he's still going to be in team meetings and so it's the subconscious there's there's still an unnerving element knowing that there's someone you're you're hoping that you're thinking the same thing as the skipper the guy that you know, probably should be starting in in your jersey, um, so it's very very challenging for Ross to in in that environment, um, and I think there'll be a great freedom that comes with Johnny's retirement for him when that eventually does happen. But maybe with the likes of Sam Prendergast coming in and never experiencing or knowing what it's like to have you know the Johnny Sexton environment. I don't know if, if Sam's training with, with Leinster currently or, or, or what's going on, but um, it's, it's, it, it is. It's a, it's a great challenge. Um, and, and we're always going to draw comparisons. It, it's not just specifically Ross Byrne. It, you know, we're talking Frawley before that, his brother Harry. And Ross is the one, in fairness to him, that has stepped his game up and elevated to be the number two at Leinster and Ireland. But there's going to be comparisons to to their game style and I think a really good example of it and I'm, I'm I, I, I I was firm around Ross in in the last few years because comparatively to Johnny's just not been able to do the same things and I think he's advanced his game significantly but there's still a few aspects that's still not what Johnny does mm. and I think it ha- adds so much value to the, to the team and I think the big one is that square around the corner and the best way I can describe it is you never really see Ross Byrne getting hit late and why is that? Because it's not as aggressive to the line it's not holding it to the last second and what do you do? You're holding the defenders inside create space outside Mm. whereas we never see Ross getting treatment and people give out about you know Johnny Milks he gets so many late shots even watching the video back Visa last last year in the round of 16 you know whacked over a quarter final whacked him a few times really late they want to get shots because they know the importance of him to the side whereas with, with Ross you never think about him getting treatment you never see him getting those really late shots you never see him really square where he leaves his body open to getting whacked Mm -hmm. and that is the part of his game that he needs to get to because if you want to add on top of what you've got already which he's built a great kicking game good control he's a nice passer of the ball I think he has to be able to learn to square up around the corner. And so much of what Lenzer do is obviously looping around the corner. But it's about committing and turning 
five on fours into four on threes and three on twos and so on. That only happens by square and sitting down defenders on the inside. Um, so for me, that's his next iteration that I've, I, I guess I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him develop in, in the coming years. He's still relatively young, you know, he still has, you know, eight, nine years ahead of him, I'm sure, if he stays fit and continues to develop his game. So it's not like we've seen the best of him. He will continue to own it, but I think it's one aspect we have to see for him to be, have de- develop a real credibility of being someone that can take ownership of a team and understand about the creation of space for those outside him. For now, he's a facilitator of others around him. Um, but I think he can actually create more chances for them out wide by squaring up around the corner a bit more. And just absorbing a bit more contact in that respect. It, it, like it's, but that's a, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily, there's a bravery to it. There is. You know, I think Sexto's so brave and has been. And he was reckless at, at, at times where he, he held it too long, mm-hmm. where he was trying, it was unnecessary, uh, unnecessary, um, you know, Reviewing hero antics. Thing, yeah. it, it was where he would allow those really big late shots. Now I think he understands the timing or it's right on the cusp and ref- and he needs referees to be with him on the on those late shots and for them to be called out. The Don Brandt one was a perfect example in the in the England game. Like he holds it late and he still follows through. Referees have to be able to help him on that. But I I can't think of a situation where where Ross has kind of come around and gotten those really late shots and he's needed treatment or picked himself up off the floor and I think he's got to put himself into that space to have a positive knock-on effect to the creation of opportunity at wide because he's got the passing game for that. But there are people who would counter you now who'd say <clears throat> and probably listen saying yeah but he's, he's not taking those shots and he's not getting treatment and he's playing the next game whereas Jonathan hasn't perhaps good argument. to do that. It's a good argument. Yeah, I think there's there's validity in that for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just not a subscriber. So <laughs> <I don't mind. laughs> you could have even said no, it's grand. Move on. Uh, yeah, well, I want to get on to the wider point because Leinster are obviously the last team standing in what used to be known as European competition. Uh, we've had people get onto us about that obviously in the last week too because obviously we've got the South Africans playing such a prominent role um, and there's this concern now again bubbling after such a few months of enthusiasm and a good feeling about Irish rugby it's like oh god but we've actually just got really one province here and I don't know if it's a thing of Ireland we're in a vicious cycle whereby Ireland leans so heavily on Leinster because the Leinster players are in form but now because you don't have as many Munster or Ulster players in form that they aren't getting exposure to that high level environment with Ireland that isn't feeding back then into the provinces. So the fewer players you have in the Ireland setup, the fewer players you're going to have because you're not transferring that knowledge and that, you know, those learnings back downwards to your... Yeah, that's a concern. It is. I think if you're, you know, there's, there's no perfect scenario. There's no... Okay, maybe a perfect scenario is that we have, you know, three of the provinces in semi-final of Europe but I, I don't know has that ever happened certainly two, two is my memory of of, um, of having yeah that, that level of competitiveness that provincial level it, it's yeah, it's not ideal but I think it does show the ev- elevation of Leinster comparatively and, and again around where they are in um, in a cycle and, and, and the, the quality of players at their disposal I think the other provinces are developing that and have been for a few years, but yet seem as though they're still a while away from. And I don't know where that changes or how you 
um, fast track that development of quality players. Um, I think it's a lot to do with you know the school system that is coming out of Leinster and and how good the systems are within those schools, the level of coaching, the the competition for places, um, and also the success of the province has bred more success. Whereas. Um, yeah, it's 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 a frustration. It's it's obviously terrific if you're a Leinster fan, but ultimately we're all Ireland fans as well, and we need competitive provinces um, to be to be in the mix. And and it does feel right now that you know Ulster and 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 Munster in particular are have a competitiveness to a point. Um, but when it comes to semi-finals and finals of both URC and and particularly European competition that they just don't have the quality I don't know if they have um, if the same level of coaching that's been in existence in Leinster for a number of years um, at their disposal as well but it's not a, it's not the perfect scenario for us as a national team on the continued develop, of, develop, development of where um, where the side goes um, because we, we do want people driving competition from kind of multi-province mm. um, and rugby and off the wall is with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us it's one thing um, sitting across from you and it making me feel old that you are now an elder statesman in rugby but I was going through that team because with Jordy Murphy's retirement mm. uh, during the week he is I totted up the 10th player who started in Chicago against the All Blacks to have announced their retirement 11 will be Sexton and then possibly Simon Zebo will be next up after that that team is because it's ebbed away very very uh, quickly it feels but obviously that's the cycle the level of, or the, the point of the cycle that they were at um, Jordy Murphy is perhaps a player who, who never really got his flowers in terms of the time he was playing because when he was at his peak especially with Leinster he was an incredible back row forward very high success rate though as well though if you look at it don't know when Jordy came into the <coughs> Leinster environment exactly when he broke into the to the team whether he was there for was he involved I don't know if he was involved in 2012 but if you look over the course of his international career being involved in um, in the Six Nations victory I think in 2013 14 the Grand Slam in 18 Chicago he was involved in the victory against the All Blacks in 18 I'm sure he was in the on the Australian tour in what year was that 18 as well was it yeah, he was called into the World Cup squad then in 19 yeah, late so, yeah. yeah. so um, won, won Europe in 18 with Leinster like he, he's had a huge amount of success he was he was a guy that could f- fit multiple roles and um yeah, really kind of talented footballer, but durable as well. And he had a big engine on him. So, yeah, I, you know, at that time, if you remember as well, the game goes in cycles and it's, you know, the, what you need now is slightly different. And I'm not to, that's not to say that if he was starting out now, he wouldn't be able to play at a very high calibre, but he's got lots of miles on the clock. But during a five or six year period, he was incredibly effective. Yeah. Never let anyone down. D- did his role superbly well, which was the need of the team. It was a cog in the wheel um, under Joe Schmidt in particular. So, yeah, very, very effective um, player um, and, yeah, has lots of, of success. So, the time yeah, time comes for everyone. It does feel really weird when there's these guys considerably younger than you now retiring. That really is a... 
It's a it's it's a starlight moment. Yeah. I, th- I think it's an it's an it's a decent age for him to get out. He's thirty. What age is he? He's thirty two later this month. Okay. So he's probably like you mentioned there. It's still young though, right? Isn't it's, it? it is still young, but as you mentioned there, the game has evolved, and he probably has more hits and miles than an average thirty two year old would do, who's come through in the past six seven years. Like going back, he's gone back when a decade plus now in terms of his involvement with Leinster. First of all, so he probably has a few more bangs there but just to I don't know to continue on with the next phase of your life because you can't keep playing forever obviously unless you're Mike Brown I think as well if you're if you're not making the grade you know when you've had big success in the past it's hard to keep soldiering along yeah. you know I yeah. think you've got to have one eye if you're smart enough you've got one eye and going right listen let's have let's get into the yeah. next iteration whatever that might look like because you do in most scenarios you stop start at the bottom of a ladder somewhere else you might be close to the top of the tree in what you're currently doing but you know you fall off that cliff pretty quickly and then you go into something where <clears throat> you've everything to learn um, so I think the realization with with the, with kind of smart guys is that, and Owen Redden was a great example of that, where he could have played. He was offered a contract for another year, but he thought, what what like another year of just playing provincial stuff when I've played at a very high level at World Cups with yeah. Ireland, had great success with Ireland. I'm much smart. It's a smarter move is to get into the next career a year early and build that development. Yeah. And and he's had obviously a lot of success in what he does, um, in in aircraft leasing. So I'm sure whatever Geordie decides to do, he's he's street smart. I'm not. I don't know specifically if he's if he would be hugely academic, but he's clever and smart and and would um, would get people. You know, really good guy to understand. I'd say quite a lot of emotional intelligence in there. Um, so I think he'll be very successful in, in what he does do. But I think it's it's clever from his perspective. And sometimes you just know that your time is up. You know, you've, you know, you're a bit disconnected from the other, the, the next generation coming through. And, and if there aren't the same commonalities, it doesn't have the same fun. And particularly if you're not involved in, in, in the team week in, week out, and you kind of go, all right, enough's enough. Stop framing people who are eight, nine years younger than me as feeling old, because that mm. makes me feel even old. Um, looping back to tomorrow night, your final call on this one. Yeah, I, I, it's so hard to know with this Leinster team because I think they, they're capable of beating sides by 20 and and 20, good sides by 20 and 25 yeah. points. If it's dry, um, I think they will win, but I think it'll be... I don't think it'll be a foregone conclusion uh, because, it, because of what happened last year, because um, that Leicester have the, ca- the capacity to play a very, very physical game, which... Is what has has unstuck Leinster in the past, um, and and if, I think if you can get that part, if you can get your defensive game right, um, and your organisation and your commitment to rooks and your collision winning goes a long way towards stopping the Leinster juggernaut. And then on top of that, layer, you know, a really good kicking game, a kick contest, um, really strong set piece. You put all of those fundamentals together, mm. and you've a chance of stalling Leinster but I still think that the, the the cleverness of this team is a way to to find through in every in any scenario and I just think the the carrot of you know home semi-final home final will be too much this year and even with um you know with no Johnny Sexton the, and no Josh van der Fleer, I think the quality that does come in there will be too much for for Leicester but I think I'm going to say kind of an 8 to 10 8 to 10 point victory I'll take it Brian Triscoll thanks a million cheers Richie
Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.